Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Omaha, Nebraska is Nick Weil, who's a senior associate at Epsilon Life Sciences. And coming to us from Chicago is Maisha Wall, who's an analyst at Epsilon Life Sciences. Today, we're going to be talking about data inventory. And, and frankly, what led me to this conversation was their article in uh, Compliance Today magazine. So first, uh, Maisha, Nick, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Thanks for having us, Adam. Thank you for having us. Oh, my pleasure. So let's start at the beginning. What does a data inventory typically encompass? Yeah, sure. So uh, uh, very simply, a, a data inventory is, a, is an inventory of data. I know that's a little bit of cheating to use the, uh, uh, the same words uh, in the definition, but I think it's it kind of... Um, helps understand how sort of simple the process should be um, and, and maybe uh, open up the discussion about why it's not as simple as it, it uh, as it should be. You know, um, inventory, we all sort of understand like we should, we should know what we have in the refrigerator. We should know what our company has uh, when it comes to widgets. Um, but, but we don't know right from, from an inventory standpoint, uh, what, what data we have, right. Um, which is a little bit odd, especially since, uh, uh, you know, they, they call this the information economy, right? Um, uh, information and data is so valuable, right? Uh, we don't we don't generally know uh, that much about where it is at, or or, or uh, how it's being stored or who has access to it at our at our companies. And so, very simply, the idea of a data inventory is just to figure out where all the data is uh, at the um, at the organization. Typically, we we look at that in sort of two ways um, when we're when we're doing uh, data inventories with. Uh, with organizations. So I like to think of it in terms of nouns and, and verb, verbs, right? So nouns are where is the data, right? What computers, what servers, what uh, systems, what software, what file cabinets? So all the places that data could sort of rest, right? Um, that's that's where the data is. Uh, the verbs, though, are, are what is being done with the data, right? So what processing activities um, is, the, is another term that you sometimes hear um, described uh, for our data inventory, what uh, what functions are being used to sort of um, uh, actually access the data? So you know, you call it marketing, call it HR, call it patient care, call it billing. Um, so so the idea is to just sort of get a complete picture from an inventory standpoint of where all the data is. Um, the the last point I'll make is that um, it, you know again from a compliance standpoint. Uh, ha- you know, when I was a hospital compliance officer, um, I, um, uh, you know, we always knew where the bills were, right, in order so that we could actually do an audit of, the, of billing, right, or, or similar with coding, right. We always knew where the where the coding was in order to try to do an audit. Uh, if it turned out, right, that that you had to do an audit of your data and you didn't really know where it was, um, you know, the the make it very hard to sort of ensure that you were compliant um, with, uh, with various laws that require it. So, so that's kind of the reason why and sort of the, uh, you know, the, the sort of vision of a, of a data inventory. Well, and it's not that easy given there are so many places in an organization and now so many devices that are capturing data. Uh, it's easy to lose track of what's there. So now there are legal reasons I assume for doing one, um, not just the practical ones of reasons for understanding what you have, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. So I laid out a little bit of the sort of practical reasons why you want to might do a data inventory uh, from a legal standpoint. Uh, 
not as applicable to healthcare organizations, but GDPR, which is the European privacy law, uh, requires what's called a record of processing activities. And, and that's exactly what it sounds like. It's a, uh, you, have to, you have to have an inventory of what activities are processing um, personal information. And so it's, um, so it's required under that law. Uh, it's also sort of um, de facto required under HIPAA. Uh, I've had a conversation with a, with a number of attorneys over my sort of legal and consulting career. And, and you know, when you get down into the, the sort of, when you drill down into the details of the security rule, it talks about uh, the security rule under HIPAA. It talks about how you have to be able to go uh, and find, you to, uh, assess, you have to analyze the risk um, to all um, systems and uh, hardware that have, uh, electronic protected health information on it, right? So, so the, 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 there's this requirement that you assess the risk uh, for EPHI. Um, presumed under that is that you know where all the EPHI is in your organization. You know what all the assets are that 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 sort of house that data. Um, and so uh, you can you can sort of think of it as a as a um, as a practical requirement uh, uh, in order to fulfill the the one of the requirements of the uh, of the HIPAA rule uh, itself. Um, you know, and so, so similarly, um, there's a number of other laws now that are sort of starting to peak up from across the, the um, United States, right? Uh, California, Virginia, Utah, Colorado, they, they all have laws now. But what's interesting is that they have a lot of carve-outs, right? So California has a, a HIPAA carve-out, right? Um, the, the other laws have similar carve-outs around FERPA and, and, um, and, and other sort of federal laws. But the only way that you know if your law is covered, excuse me, if your data is covered under one law versus another law is if you know what data you're talking about. You know the stat, you know the, you know the, um, the actual uh, um, disposition of that data in order to know. Oh, okay, well that's my FERPA data. I don't need to worry about that. Versus, you know, this is my HIPAA data. Okay, HIPAA is subject to that. So, so the, the, there's also sort of a, a legal, practical sort of requirement to, to do the law. Uh, excuse me, to do a data inventory. Yeah, sounds like a very strong one. Now, Maisha, where do compliance teams typically get surprised when conducting an inventory? Uh, what I mean is where might data be hidden that you wouldn't normally expect to uh, find it? Yeah, thanks, Adam. So compliance teams aren't usually surprised by the assets or processing activities themselves, but rather uh, the elements that underlie those uh, overall assets and processing activities. For example, um, they can include personal information, which is used to distinguish um, a person's identity. So these can include like GPS location, um, payment card information, biometrics. So usually those elements um, are what surprise various compliance teams. Um, also, um, another detail um, includes the uh, things that connect with those assets and processing activities, for example, like third parties and vendors that interact with the organization. Um, often companies may comp or compliance teams specifically may not have a standardized approach to uh, fully manage the records of the third parties themselves. Um, and there are uh, also certain technologies uh, that compliance teams may not anticipate would store that personal information as well. 
Um, one example could include video conferencing uh, technologies like Microsoft Teams, WebEx, or Zoom. And Teams may store recordings um, or even screen share personal information, um, sometimes even out in the open, like in the middle of an office setting. But this is this uh, may pose risks to the organization um, that what Nick described earlier um, may breach certain privacy regulations and laws. Um, and another key aspect um, that compliance teams um, are usually surprised by uh, when they find the retention policies. Uh, and retention policies uh, outline how long a uh, certain information in that particular asset stays. And um, sometimes these may be found to be non-existent for certain assets or processing activities. They may have this informal cadence of deleting certain records, but not establish that on a, a regular annual, semi-annual uh, cadence. And, um, you know, in turn only put this into practice for a few of their asset and processing activities. And so these are just some examples um, of what compliance teams may find uh, that they may be surprised by, but there are a lot of other examples um, that you know often teams come across uh, when uh, conducting these data inventories, which you know demonstrate the real importance of you know first conducting one, but also um, monitoring it and ensuring that the organization has this um, as a regular uh, or, or a regular or um, sam annual or semi-annual um, cadence of conducting one. Oh, yeah, I was just going to add to that. I mean, it's great, great point, Maisha, especially, I mean, just to sort of um, kind of give a concrete example, uh, you know, we work regularly in the health, healthcare and life sciences space, just to give a very sort of newsy example. So right now, you know, there's, there's a big, um, there's a big sort of trend in lawsuits and uh, breach notifications around large hospital systems using, um, uh, unintentionally using tracking technology on their websites for when they're, uh, you know, on their patient portal or scheduling. Um, so there was this, there was this article uh, that came out this summer uh, where uh, a journalist did an analysis of the top 100 hospitals, and they found that a third of those hospitals had this Facebook pixel that was essentially sending patient information from, um, from, from, a, from the hospital's website to Facebook um, just because of the way that the, the ad tech technology worked. Um, I can guarantee you, right, that if any compliance person was aware that that situation was happening, they would have sort of put a stop to it immediately. But because they didn't know, right, uh, because they, they weren't aware uh, that, that marketing and, and websites use data in this way and that they collect that information. And to Maisha's point, that they send it to a third party uh, or that they use technology uh, in, in this uh, un, uh, unforeseen manner um, that um, that. Um, they, they weren't able to sort of address that risk. So I think just knowing, um, yeah, knowing is half the battle, right? Because once you know, you can sort of prioritize. Uh, and a lot of these um, large breaches that, that uh, organizations are dealing with right now 
you know, would, would, wouldn't happen because we would we would know where the data was and we put the appropriate protections around it. Well, the one thing I'll disagree with is we always find a new way for things to go wrong. So no matter how much information <laughs> we have, something bad's going to happen. Fair enough. So finally, once an inventory is done, what's the proper next step? Yeah, so the proper next step is to prioritize, uh, because as uh, as you mentioned, Adam, there <laughs> there there are always a thousand things for a compliance officer to do, um, and and so figuring out sort of what's the biggest fire and, and putting out or what's the, the potential biggest fire, uh, put it out. Uh, so I think you know from a practical standpoint, it would be to uh, you know assess what's come in right and and see what's um, what needs the most attention. Uh, Maisha, I think, laid out a really good sort of um, uh, summary of kind of the, the, the issues that often come up. Um, I, you know, I, I think uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's really the kind of fun of doing a data inventory is you don't really know what you find next uh, when you sort of uh, uh, turn on the lights in the basement, if you will. Uh, so it's, it's sort of about, um, just tackling what what sort of comes at you out, out from that. Well, there's certainly a lot of data out there and, you know, people just keep finding more and more of it and generating more and more of it. I don't think this is a problem that's ever going to be completely solved, but it's one that always needs to be addressed. Well, Nick, Maisha, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective. <laughs>